Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back to an episode of Cledging Sports. I'm with my guy Rohan Chakavarti. On today's episode, we are going to reveal who the 49ers should and most likely will hire as their defensive coordinator after firing Steve Wilkes after their Super Bowl loss. There's reports the 49ers are going internally. However, they may go outside of this. There may be a, a weird connection in, in some situations. You guys will find out right after this. Welcome back to an episode of Clutching Sports. I'm with my guy, Rohan. How's it going, Rohan? Doing good, man. I mean, 49ers, as always, they find a way to keep us entertained. This week, it's with the defensive coordinator talk. So I'm here. Glad to break it down with you. So I do see a lot of you guys already in the watching. I see 49ers throwback with a great question. We will definitely get to this question throughout the show today. So appreciate you for chiming in and already dropping a question. If you have not dropped your questions, your concerns, your comments on the defensive coordinator situation, uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to both channels. But before we get into anything, Rohan, how have you been? How's things going? Um, how's the Wisconsin weather like right now? Um, I know you're out there covering all the sports for Wisconsin Badgers. How's that going, man? Doing good. I mean, you know, personal life is going great. Got to see some family recently. Um, uh, you know, enjoy some time in the Bay. But Wisconsin's doing all right. I mean, today was like in the 50s, you know, so we, I, I know there's a bit of rain over there in the Bay. So I'm enjoying it here. I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. But, uh, you know, I, I always got a soft spot in my, in my heart for the Bay, just uh, just in general. That's home. So glad to be back whenever we can go. Absolutely. Well, the Bay Area is also the home of the 49ers where they're in need of a defensive coordinator. Before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, what were your thoughts on the Steve Wilkes situation? Because obviously, like, there's more than just hiring a, a defensive coordinator and it being the right guy, right? Like, the 49ers went with Steve Wilkes last offseason after D'Amico Ryan took a head coaching position with the Houston Texans. There was a lot of 50-50 throughout social media, 49ers, 49ers world and stuff like that. A lot of people like the Steve Wilkes hire because they, were, they thought it was going to match the secondary to the front seven. Um, you and myself, I, I believe you were on the same page as me where we did not like the hire. Um, I could be wrong on, on your end, but I didn't really care for the hire. But what was your initial thoughts on the entirety of the Steve Wilkes situation? Because that, I think that's the most important part going into hiring a defensive coordinator. Yeah, no, I, I think that um, when you talk about it, well, there, there were differences. To me, 
I wanted to see early on with Steve Wilkes, when I, even if when I'm going back in my articles, I talked about the potential differences when you talked about what Steve Wilkes would bring. Had his previous stops, a significant amount of blitzing, more zone, uh, more man coverage than zone coverage. And there were a couple of different principles that you expected him to bring over. But the questions would be, you know, uh, oh, another part is obviously initially from the booth. But the questions would be how much how much power would he have in his own decision-making versus would there be any internal issues that led to Kyle Shanahan, you know, kind of getting some more input. And we saw them kind of play out throughout the course of the season. It starts with Shanahan essentially throwing his guy under the bus. Well, you know, he, he's holding Wilkes accountable, but publicly for his call against the Minnesota Vikings, the cover zero call, you know, in a one score game that ultimately was in, 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 integral in deciding the out, uh, the outcome of that game. And then, I mean, over the course of the season, you hear some players saying they were unprepared at times in the playoffs. You're hearing different, different things. And obviously, you also hear the reports that Shanahan is kind of, uh, you know, involved in the defensive meetings more often than or more than he probably was in previous years. And so you you can sense there's a disconnect all boils down to the playoffs. I mean, horrendous defensive showings in the first two halves of the first two games in the playoffs. And so overall, you know, it was intriguing and uh, maybe horrendous is a little strong, but overall it it seemed like this defense, I mean, it's primed to be a top defense in the NFL. They didn't necessarily play bad, but they underperformed according to standards. That's something Kyle Shanahan wasn't looking for. And it ultimately came down to Wilkes and his kind of fit, not necessarily being the best for the 49ers. I absolutely agree with you in the sense of it was just a weird situation, right? You go higher out from outside of the organization when it's kind of it was kind of a felt like a way of Kyle Shanahan to promote within, whether it was the offensive side, defensive side, everyone was kind of promoting within. And then Kyle decided to go outside of the organization, bring in Steve Wilkes. But for me, the the reason why I didn't like the idea was because as soon as he was hired, it was mentioned that Steve Wilkes would come in and run the 49ers system and not necessarily run what he normally would run, which is a little bit more blitzing and stuff like that. Um, And Kyle kind of told him, you know what? No, that's not how I run my team. You're not going to blitz as heavy. You're going to play cover three. You're going to run the wide nine, learn the defense. Fred Warner will teach it to you. Um, You could call games from the booth. That's That's where you normally like to do it. The defense didn't like that right away. They said, no, no, no. We want to look at you in the eyes when you're wrong and tell you, hey, you're wrong. Fix it. Um, Kyle sided with his veterans, which to me, from the beginning, he from immediately siding with your veterans, great as a head coach. But it's also putting your defensive coordinator in a tough situation in the sense of you're showing you don't care for his knowledge of the game. You don't respect him as much as you should. And I felt like that was a big concern for the defense, right? Fred Warner calling him out. Nick Bosa called him out. Um, there was times where Tashawn Gibson called him out and said, you know what? We have the playmakers. We're just not in position to make the plays. Um, to me, that was the biggest concern. I don't think Steve Wilkes was fully at fault for anything in terms of his defense only give up 17 points a game. Now, were they in bad situations, bad positions? Yeah, we could say they obviously were, right? If the players are coming out saying it, the film showed it, they didn't look to be in great, I wouldn't want to necessarily rhythm, but cohesion as a defense, right? From the front four to the front seven, or front seven to the 
back in. The Nick Bosa rush four comment that Jake Schultz yeah. uh, Schultz up. A lot of it just didn't make sense. Kyle decides to move on after the Super Bowl. You and I both said Steve Wilkes is gone no matter what, right? We both were like, you know what? Does not matter. Even if the Niners made a Super Bowl, I honestly genuinely believed that the 49ers were going to move on because they do a good job. You know, when they understand something's wrong, they do a good job of understanding when to move on. So they decide to eventually they this they move on, right? Reports are that they're possibly going within the organization. You're muted, Rohan. I don't know if you're trying to talk right now. No, you're no I'm right, good. Cool. Don't worry. Yeah, I just realized. I, so reports are saying that they're going within. There's been, I guess, speculation that they might bring in Brandon Staley. They fans want Nick uh, or Bill Belichick. Pete Carroll has been thrown out there. A variety of names, right? So for me, it's definitely one of those ones where we're going to talk about today and we're going to figure out who is the next defensive coordinator. Obviously, the Niners want to get down to it because the NFL combine is within the next week, and you would typically want your defense coordinator to be promoted, already answered, have questions and stuff like that. So you could kind of look at the defense and key in on what the weakness of the defense is as a defensive coordinator, um, as an organization. So when you do go to the combine, if the best player is a defensive tackle or corner at 31, where the 49ers select, you're prepared for that. So. I do see, I'm also going to, we're going to continue going back and forth to comments and stuff, so make sure you guys drop your comments. The Great Tone 765 said, players were making excuses. We'll put those players in a lot of great positions to make plays. Defense held us down in the Super Bowl. Brock uh, Brock Purdy was mediocre in the big game. Hey, I don't know. I'm not going to answer that one in terms of Brock Purdy, but I agree with you in terms of um, going for the defense being was really good in the in the Super Bowl. Now, let's start with internal candidates. Rohan, do you want to go Daniel Bullocks or do you want to go Nick Sorensen first? There's obviously some others in there we'll, we'll mention throughout the throughout the show. Do you want to go Daniel Bullocks or Nick Sorensen first, who is the passing yeah. game coordinator? We can start with the guy who we both believe um is the best, not best, but maybe more favorite internal candidate. That's Daniel Bullocks. Um Reason being, Daniel Bullocks is an intriguing name. Not a name any 49er fans may know, but overall, he's a guy who I thought and who Marco thought would be in the consideration last offseason when the 49ers were deciding if they wanted to go internal or out, uh, external. Now, obviously, they went external last year, but if you're talking about Daniel Bullocks, he's a guy who's been there the entire Shanahan regime. Been there since 2017. Initially started as a uh, assistant secondary coach, but then he he grew. Ended up, or sorry, assistant defensive back coach. Ends up becoming the safeties coach for four years, and then ends up becoming the actual secondary coach this past season. He is a secondary guy. That's one thing in similarity with Steve Wilkes, but he's also been there for the entirety of the Shanahan regime. So he's been able to coach under. Um, both Robert Sala and both D'Amico Ryans, where you've under, you, you have an understanding of that scheme. That's kind of the positives about Daniel Bullock's. The main things, well, obviously you also see development from guys like Hufanga. You see Tashawn Gibson have a resurgence back in 2022, carrying it over to this year. As for cornerbacks, I mean, Diamador Lenore obviously has done a good job, but, uh, and I'm sorry, can't, uh, can't forget Jair Brown either, but 
there's a you know there's there's definitely stuff going for him for Daniel Bullocks. I like to always look at the pros and cons. You look at the cons section. Never been a coordinator before. He's a young guy, but he's never been a coordinator before. And the big question with Kyle Shanahan is: This is a must. You you need to hit this hire, no matter what. Especially after what you did with Steve Wilkes. You know he was a one and done. You need to make sure this hire hits because this job becomes a little less desirable if you go two straight one and dones, or you know if the defense doesn't show up this next year to the the extent that you want it to. Because the 49ers, and we'll get into this as we delve into the team and their 2024 prospects, but in my opinion, it's really one more year to go all in with this current core. You're going to have to change things up after next Mm -hmm. offseason or during the next offseason, which means that everything kind of, you need to make sure that you have everything set in stone and to your liking, which means this hire is going to be important. Bullock's experience might be one thing that people might point to as a con. Go ahead for you. So I think, like you said last year, I thought Daniel Bullock should have been promoted. So for me, I'm very pro on promoting from within when it's the right guy, when it's a, a guy who knows how to develop players, a guy who the players really like, um, who they rally around. Um, from what I've heard, Daniel Bullock's is very comfortable around the players. They really respect him. Um, he's a younger guy. He's in, I believe he just turned 40 years in his 40s, uh, early 40s. And he's one of those guys that, he understands players. He played the game. He played in the NFL for three years. Um, he's been around some good coaches. Um, obviously, he was around D'Amico Ryan's last year. Um, developed young talent already. If you look at what he's done with bringing Deshaun Gibson up to par um, really fast, um, that's hard to do for a lot of a lot of teams. Um, Jair Brown, a rookie starting. Talanohuafanga, an all-pro. Um, just a lot of things that he's done, in my opinion, has been well in terms of development. But it's all about can he understand what offenses want to do to this defense? Can he pair the linebacking, the linebacking group, as Kyle Shanahan has said, to the front four? Can he get to the quarterback with just the front four and pair that to the back end? I mean, as a secondary coach, you would assume he understands those principles and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's putting your team in great position. Can he dial up exotic blitzes? That's where I want. I want a defensive coordinator who could do that. I think he can. Being around D'Amico Ryan's and Robert Sala, uh, that that system that they ran, I think you could you could get the best from him. Now he's been with the Niners since 2017. Kyle Shanahan knows this knows this coach really well. Been here for entire Kyle's entire tenure. So when you see something like that, you would have thought Kyle would have promoted him last year. So for me, I really think Daniel Bullock is the guy internally. Um, I think he's been the one who understands the defense the most, the system the most. He's been coaching the secondary. And when you're coaching a secondary, the issue has been too much off coverage, right? Too much zone, too much this, too much that. I think what Daniel Bullock would give you is a defensive coordinator who is going to challenge the opposing receivers. As he played defensive back, he played safety in the NFL. They're going to challenge the offenses to try to beat them one-on-one. He's going to go a little more man, I I would assume, based off of how the coaches he's played for, um, the meeting around D'Amico Ryans, who like to dial up different exotic looks. So for me, I definitely think it's Daniel Bullock's, but there's also Nick Sorsen who is getting love. Um, Special team coordinator, was a special team coordinator with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the 49ers defensive passing game coordinator. So technically he has 
coordinator experience. I don't know if he's he's ever called plays. Special teams, I guess they call plays, but really, you're not really calling a play, if that makes sense. I don't get the Nick Sorison look. I'll be honest with you. I don't understand it. He's been with us for two years. Similar situation if you hire Nick Sorison as your defensive coordinator, as it was Steve Wilkes. He's still learning the system. That's where I'm confused, but maybe you have a different opinion on it. I think I understand it, and it's really, to me, in the fact that he's a Pete Carroll disciple. Um, Sorensen, obviously, was a – like like Bullocks, he's a guy who's played before, I, I think had like a nine-year, eight-year professional career um, in the NFL as a defensive back. But then when, when he started his coaching career, who did he go to? He went to Pete Carroll. This was the Legion of Boom years, you know, where he was working pretty much. He started as a special teams coach, but then grew to the secondary coach, was there from 2013 to 2020, and then um, ended up being the Jaguars um, special teams coordinator before coming to the Niners. So I think it's the fact that, you know, it's that Pete Carroll system that the 49ers initial scheme originated from. You're talking about um, Sala, who was a disciple from Pete Carroll. And it's kind of like a it, it maybe a mix of those principles with the newer principles that the 49ers have involved with their with their defense. And so it might be from the fact that he's been around that. And I, I, I don't really value the coordinator experience as much, given that to me, coordinator experience, the number one thing for me is if you're calling plays or not, which he, I don't believe has on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I, I think that there's value in that he's a, he, he's a Pete Carroll disciple has been the passing game, uh, pass game coordinator and also works. Um, he, he was in, he was, I believe he coached the Nickelbacks this past year. So he was integral in the, the development of Diamond Lenore. And I think the nickel is actually an important position in this defense and can be an important position in today's football. So um, I, I think that there might be a bit of an understanding there. The two things that are similar uh, to both is obviously their secondary coaches. And the one thing I will point out, I don't think it reflects on either coach, nor does it really reflect on the guy who I'm mentioning as much. But one thing Steve Wilkes said, uh, as I, I, I spent some time this week going back to past interviews back in May, trying to see what the initial, you know, the initial view was Steve Wilkes said he wanted to implement more man coverage, be, you know, be a little more aggressive. And then we see a similar kind of feel in terms, especially second half of the season, where you see these softer concepts, especially in key plays, you know, those two minute type of drills where you you don't necessarily want to give up that type of yardage. You do see softer concepts. And that's the the issue sometimes where you're not marrying the pass rush with the uh with with the secondary where you want to be aggressive maybe with your front four but if you're not being aggressive with your secondary then there's a disconnect there that allows defenses to move and vice versa maybe you're not as aggressive with your front four you're aggressive with your secondary though that can lead to a disconnect because obviously the two sides aren't aligned with the same game plan and so i do wonder you know if you, especially if you go to another secondary guy or a guy with the secondary background what's going to be the goal the ideal suggestion to marry the two together and that's absolutely a, absolutely a great point because steve wilkes did want to do that he did that everywhere he's been a little bit more man blitz a little bit more um is it a kyle problem right like that's like, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a Kyle problem because, again, it's the it's the defensive side. But we know how, how Shanahan has a vision for it. And the thing that I'll, I'll point away from is obviously the system worked when there was a defensive coordinator in place the, the years past. But what exactly is the issue to where you're not being able to implement that kind of thing? Is it the philosophy of the defensive coach? Because Wilkes, prior to that, 
ran a significant, you know, a good portion of man coverage. He had a lot of um, those uh, those man coverage principles instilled in his defense, even dating back to his college days at Missouri and, and things like that. And so you do wonder where the disconnect ultimately is. Um, I want to point out this comment from my guy, Jake pointed out too much quarters coverage could possibly see Bullocks being able to coordinate the front seven aggressively like D'Amico once did. But I'm, I'm, I'm confused a little bit on where ultimately the disconnect was in the building in terms of how do you get to, you're trying to instill more man coverage concepts, trying to, you know, be more aggressive, not only in the front side, but also in the back end, because that was what Wilkes's forte was. How do you get from that to having some inconsistencies on either side? And I think that's what I meant by I think it's a Kyle problem. Kyle doesn't really like to go, man defensively right like he wanted this the same system the same style because he says it's harder to coach against for his offense right well not everyone's running your offense kyle people understand how to attack this defense now like you've you've shown how to attack the defense (laughs) like you think teams aren't going to understand how to attack the defense based off of how you've picked apart this defense when you coach against it against seattle against other teams like, that's where I'm like, you know, like, it doesn't make sense for Kyle to bring in Nick Sorensen, who is, I think Nick Sorensen's more of a disciple of Pete Carroll. Um, I, I think Daniel Bullock's is also, he comes from that Gus Bradley tree with Robert Sala, where they coached um, together for in 2016 uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars under Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator there. So they it's a similar system, um, but Gus Bradley is a little bit, I think, a little more aggressive. Um, than the others um, from that system. There's also been reports that Niners may possibly go out of the of the organization and pick up some guys, right? Rumor is the Niners, true, if they truly want to hire similar system, a guy who's very familiar within his coach, a top five defense with injuries across the entire defense. He's the defensive coordinator for the New York Jets, Jeff Ulbrich. Now, I don't think he calls the plays. I believe it's Robert Sala who calls the defensive plays, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But it technically would be a lateral move. So the Niners would have to make it a promotion. They really can't because if they promote him to an assistant head coach job and the Jets want to keep him, they could just give him the assistant head coaching position in New York. But from a, someone I was talking to, I'm not going to say who, said technically Olbrich could leave if he really wanted to because he's calling plays. And that's where it would be the disconnect, where if he really wanted to leave and join the Niners, he could do it because he's calling plays. I don't know if that's true. I don't know how accurate that is. But based off of what he had told me is that is possibly what could happen. So what are your thoughts on Jeff Olbrich coming over to the Niners and being their DC? Yeah, I... You know, it's weird. I don't necessarily know if Albridge is not call- like I thought he was initially calling plays when he joined, but maybe he isn't calling plays anymore. I think that that was the case because I thought Sala said when he was hired back in 21 that he was not going to call plays defensively. I do think something changed and then he ultimately did. The Jets obviously had a great year this year defensively, but Albridge is intriguing. I wrote an article later earlier today, not not anything about the Jets. Jets, maybe, you know, they, they might have the power to block that move um, it, it, because it's a lateral move and things like that. But to me, I think that if you're looking at it, I think this makes sense for the 49ers. One, 
I, I always try and look at history and things like that when you're looking at a guy um, and the way that um, he might fit, obviously, with the 49ers. Jeff Albrich, he was in Atlanta. So who's the guy who kind of ran that Atlanta system that made him popular as a head coaching candidate? That was Dan Quinn. Jeff Albrich was there when Dan Quinn, who Kyle Shanahan loves, was you know the head coach. Jeff Albrich, um, I believe that's kind of where he started his career. Um, he spent six seasons with the Falcons and one more importantly, he coached the team's linebackers. So he's a guy who has a lot of familiarity with the front seven coached the team's linebackers from 29, uh, 2015 to 2019, got a promotion to assistant head coach in 2020. And then that was the year where Quinn got fired mid season. Raheem Morris ended up being the head coach. Um, and so Quinn, got, or sorry, Albridge got promoted to defensive coordinator, although Morris continued to call plays. Then after that, you know, when they when they kind of moved on, um, I believe Albrecht went to the Jets and has been their defensive coordinator since 2021. But again, there's the, the the part where he's under a defensive head coach again. He's called plays. This would be his first stop where he's in a coordinator role and not with the defensive head coach. Once again, though, I'm going to point to an intriguing part. Where did he start his career? He started with Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks in that system as well. Back in 2010, as a, I believe he was like a, a special assistant, and then he went to UCLA, coached under Jim Mora as the linebackers coach over there. I believe he was a defensive coordinator there in 2014, um, um, but I don't think he called plays again. Mora was the one who was calling plays, and so he has a ton of coordinator experience. He's a guy who has been with Shanahan before, has been with guys like Pete Carroll and Dan Quinn before, guys who Shanahan um, has respected in terms of their defensive philosophy. And he obviously would get the chance to call plays permanently and be the number one defensive guy in the building if he comes to San Francisco. So I think that there is a clear fit. He's a guy who the 49ers have a connection to. And I think that that, and I think it all makes sense. Now the question, obviously, one, will the Jets allow him to leave? And uh, two, does Albridge himself want to leave you know, in the middle of the off season um, with all the prep kind of coming together, because I believe he was at the senior bowl, you know, he's already started his off season prep for the jets. They are probably at all in go mode already. And he's got a good infrastructure there. You know, young guys who um, that linebacker course, pretty intriguing. You know, you've got young guys there that he likes. So it, it, it'd be an intriguing move for sure. I don't think he's coming. I know a lot of people are like trying to speculate and say, he I is. wouldn't either. Yeah. I don't see it happening based off of a lot of things. One, he is Robert Sala's go-to guy. Um, from based off of comments that Robert Sala has said, it kind of sounds like he does call plays and Robert Sala's on the headset, kind of advising him, hey, I don't like that call. Go to a different like kind of like I based off of what I've read and like looking into it, I do think Jeff Ulbridge calls plays. So it doesn't make sense why a lot of people are saying he's gonna be the Niners next defense coordinator. Um, it's intriguing. Absolutely. Very good defense coordinator. Um, coaches top five defense, very similar defense. Um, we, there's a very common thing. And I do like this question. Um, Jake Schultz is, is right now asking some great questions and mentioning a lot of great things. So based off of everything we've seen, it's a common denominator of Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll system, right? If the Niners have, this is Jake's question. If the Niners have prioritized an offshoot of Carroll's defense, why not pursue Pete Carroll himself? 
Great point. I mean, I mean but that's a good one. So to me, the reason is the same reason I gave in spaces about Belichick. I honestly don't think Belichick or Pete Carroll have anything to gain by becoming a defensive coordinator, especially in San Francisco. What is there for them to gain? Number one, they're getting they're getting paid to not work. You know, they both had they both got fired essentially. They're getting paid the remainder of that contract to not work. They would not be getting, I believe, they wouldn't get any extra money to come work for the 49ers. It would just come out of that buyout. And so the Seahawks or um for the, for Belichick would be the Patriots would have to pay him a little less, I believe, if he comes to work for the 49ers. Regardless, though, I don't think there's any benefit for that. Number one. There's only downside. Let's say he does not, the defense does not perform to expectations just like Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes was seen as a head coaching candidate prior to coming to San Francisco. There's no chance he's going to be a head coach now, and he might not even be a defensive coordinator in this cycle. And so if he's not going to get an opportunity now, you know, this just resets his line to becoming a potential uh, defensive coordinator or even a head coach if he still wants to down the road. I think that it resets him. For them too, they're already established head coaching candidates. They have a resume, which they're going to present to people when, uh, you know, a significant coaching cycle comes in 2025. Uh, I don't think that they have anything to gain by coming to San Francisco. And I think that they would both, especially as old as they are, respect a year off before resetting and getting back into, you know, the breadth of things. If you look at the potential options that could come for next season, I mean, maybe you're looking specifically at Belichick. I think Dallas's job opens. Uh, Pure speculation. I think both New York jobs have a chance to open. Belichick obviously has a history with the uh, with uh, with the Jets. He's been there before, and so I think that just those are just three opportunities. But I think there are going to be options for them to be head coaches. I don't think that they should. I don't see a reason why they would take their stock to come coach for the 49ers and be the second fiddle to Kyle Shanahan. I don't think it's got to be. I don't. I don't believe in the ego thing. I don't think it has to do with any. I don't think it has to do with Shanahan's ego and him deferring to somebody. In fact, I personally believe. He wants a defensive coordinator where he can be hands-off because it just adds responsibility to him as a head coach if he's going to have to micromanage his defensive coordinator. But uh, pursuing Carroll, pursuing Belichick, I just don't see it happening because I don't think either of them are going to go for a coordinator job or really a big role at all this offseason. I I would agree there. So someone had messaged me on on Twitter, the DM me, and said, hey, why aren't the Niners pursuing Bill Belichick, why aren't they pursuing Pete Carroll? And my response was, one, Bill Belichick actually has to lose if he becomes the Niners defense coordinator, right? Because there's already a narrative around Bill Belichick as possibly one of the greatest head coaches of all time. But people like to use this, he won because of Brady. Brady won without Belichick. Brady, uh, Belichick couldn't win without Brady, right? If he goes with Kyle, they won a Super Bowl this year. It's Brady needed uh, Belichick needed Brady and Kyle Shanahan to win Super Bowls. He was never a great coach. It was all Tom Brady, right? That would be an that's so you're losing your legendary or your your how would I say your coaching ability in terms of who people think of you as. I don't think it's ego. I don't think Belichick would give a f about that, right? I truly don't. Pete Carroll, I don't see him coming to the Niners in terms of. There's a always got to remember there was a rivalry. He's at like you said, he's at the age where he doesn't have to work. He could get paid and consult for the Seattle Seahawks. They could, I think it's both wiser for them to sit out a year, go do some TV work for a little while, come back as head coaches for the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Jets, potentially another team. 
that's, I think, what they're going to do. Now, the last candidate on on the list that I've seen people talking about is Brandon Staley. Now, I don't see Brandon Staley as an option. Um, I do see a lot of people that are like, well, he was great with the Rams. I just don't like the three going from a 4-3 to changing it up. In my opinion, I think I think that would be stupid. Um, you already didn't like Steve Wilkes in the terms of what he wanted to do. I can't see Kyle fully allowing a guy like Brandon Staley, who he's a good defense coordinator when he's only a coordinator. Obviously, we saw that with the Rams. Terrible head coach, two different things. You have a lot more pressure, a lot more responsibilities on your plate. But we've we've clearly seen Kyle's inability to let the defense coordinator fully coordinate when he doesn't trust him. Now, he trusted Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryan's like crazy. Like He didn't even think about what they were doing. I don't like the decision if they go Brandon Staley. I also don't think they're going out of, out of the organization. I think they truly want to stick to an organizational hire, someone they're familiar with like they did in the past, someone that understands the principles of what they're doing. Now, Brandon Staley would bring a little different dynamic, right? From what I've seen when he was with the Rams, really good defense coordinator. He blitzed more than the Niners usually do. What are your thoughts on Brandon Staley and why should they not hire him or why should they hire him i think it's a not hire for me though yeah i think he'd be my least favorite candidate i, I just don't think this the the styles mesh with san francisco i mean if you're talking about the way that brandon staley utilized that defense i don't want any of my edge rushers moving out in pass coverage i don't i i don't think that that's a good fit especially i mean can you imagine putting nick bosa off ball um you know and, and, and so to me so, wait, I, so you're telling me you don't want to see eric armstead dropping coverage no, hell no. Who Why not? Dude, six no. foot nine, bro, yeah. played basketball. That's great length. He's taking up space. No, and I, I just don't no, it, I mean that's only one, you know, principle and it's a it's it's a smaller principle, but I just don't think that, that it's a, it's the right fit for what Staley wants. I, I don't. I, I don't think that he was able to fully get you know, his vision in LA. I, I think that he didn't do a great job of roster building there, and obviously head coach did not turn out great. Um, in, in during his tenure there, I, I mean, everyone's going to point to that one year where he had with the Rams. I think the Rams have a lot different personnel defensively than the 49ers, especially if you look back to that year. And so I think if there was a guy who I would not want as the 49ers defensive coordinator, it would be Brandon Staley. I think he would be my top option for no. Um, and, I'll, and I'll say this. I don't think I'm going to give an A-plus hire to whoever the 49ers hire. I think it is, at least with the realistic options. I think all of the options that the 49ers that I would have viewed as A-plus hires I are off the board. I dis- because if, if they hire Glenn Schumann, you're probably giving it an A-plus hire. Well, yeah, but the, the reason I, I throw in the world realistic there is I think every candidate that I would have preferred for the 49ers is locked up in their spot or they're not going to make a move in February. If we're talking about at the college ranks – you're, you're, you're going to, I mean, it's in the middle of the offseason. They have their whole program, spring balls in a few weeks. I don't think that any of them are uprooting, you know, their own uh, their own situation and then moving to San Francisco right now. And then if you're talking about the coaching ranks, I don't think any of the major names, the only one that I could see as a fit would be Mike Vrabel because I think that he might be searching for a defensive coordinator job to boost his stock once again. 
um, after the way his head coaching tenure turned out at the last few years. But guys like Belichick, Pete Carroll, I don't envision them getting jobs this year or looking for for work this uh, this offseason, especially as a defensive coordinator. And then all the you know all the marquee names are off the board, and, or you know pretty pretty um, clear with their role in their current organization to where I don't think the 49ers are going to pry anybody away. So that's the way that I look at it, and I think this brings me back to the initial part. Marco said that this hire is likely to be internal. I agree. I think that with the way they've conducted the last few weeks in terms of their search, so on so for a coordinator, um, I think it's going to be an internal hire. And to me, the biggest issue with the internal hire part is not about the candidates themselves. It's just how much of a learning curve will they have because you have essentially this do or die year. Everybody, I remember, and I, I mean, I'm going to call my own self out. The first few weeks of the D'Amico Ryan's, you know, era, I was on D'Amico Ryan's. I, I was pointing out the issues that were, you know, stemming forward. Obviously, Ryan's was able to kind of figure things out towards the second half of that, what was it, 2021 season, and then the 2022 year, great year as a defensive coordinator. But this, whoever, if it's an internal guy, that guy does not have that window to kind of see the level of improvement that you might expect from a coordinator. You want him to be good from the jump because this is a do or die year for the 49ers. Whereas if you had hired him back last offseason rather than hiring Wilkes, you have that year of gap because you essentially had two years to win the title. You had a year of gap to where you could see him grow. And then this year as well would be a, you know, a year of of pure growth into a top tier coordinator if you truly believed in that guy. I think that that's the one year you took away from him. Hopefully, obviously, whoever you're grooming behind the scenes has gone through development of his own. But, you know, play calling experience is a completely different thing. And so we'll see where the 49ers ultimately go. I believe it's going to be internal. What do you think? I think he's going to be internal um, as well. I'm not, and I would say I'm not worried about a defensive coordinator who's never called plays, right? Did Robert Sala ever call plays before he was the Niners D coordinator? I agree. I agree. Did did D'Amico? So like for me, I'm like I'm, I see a lot of people throwing that out. Like, oh, he better have called plays before. I don't really care as long as it's the right guy. As long as it's the guy who understands the the concept that the Niners want to run, um, understands how to bring pressure without just four. Um, because I'm I'm tired of seeing the 49ers bring just four. At times, you need more than just four. When the the front four is not working by itself you got to change things up. So uh, 49ers throwback has a great question. Um, obviously, we've talked about four candidates, possibly five or six in a way. Um, we added Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick in there. Uh, Mike Vrabel was thrown in there a little bit. Mike Vrabel would be a, a great hire, in my opinion. Uh, I just don't see it happening. He was also he was almost Kyle's defense coordinator in 2017. In 17, yeah. Actually, I, I, I will reverse if Vrabel is the guy, I don't I don't expect it at all, which is why I said realistic. If Vrabel's the guy, though, that, that'll that get an A in my book. Everybody else, I don't think I'd give an A. Because I know the only two, the only two that I'm really I think has is a it's a long shot, Mike Vrabel, who would impress me. Um, Glenn Schumann uh from Georgia. Um, you brought that one up. That one would be a good hire for me. Besides that, I, I truly think um it would be internally and if you go internally i know you threw it out there on twitter i sent you a text um i was half joking half serious uh, when i sent that text um i said i I wouldn't mind seeing a co-defense coordinator situation for the 49ers and what i meant by that was the niners have a coach chris caseric defensive line coach phenomenal defensive line coach 
he's been reluctant to become a defense coordinator. They've asked him, they've interviewed him and said, um, hey, why, why don't you want to be a D coordinator? Or would you want to be one in the in the future? He always says, no, I love coaching the D-line. Well, I threw out the idea to Rohan. Like, what if the Niners said, hey, Chris Kacarek, you could be the co-defensive coordinator. You're not calling plays. Your role is controlling the front seven, essentially. You're making sure the front four and, and the linebackers are on the same page. You're making sure that the front four matches the sec- the se- uh, the back end. But Daniel Bullocks is connecting everything together. He's calling the plays and connecting it all. Essentially, he is the guy that's overseeing things to make sure his front four is getting what it needs from the back end. He's making sure the linebackers are doing their jobs. And it's like, so it's kind of a, a team effort. You're not you're giving him more responsibility instead of just being the D-line coach. He and also he brings an energy that the Niners defense would love, right? Daniel Bullock's is a similar energy, similar up, upbeat kind of guy. Um, you can see that in his interviews, kind of how he like talked soon. He started talking about Don Amino Lenore. You can see like that step up, like, oh, it's my 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 time to talk. Um Threw it out there. I don't see it as a realistic option because I don't. You don't really ever see co-defensive coordinators. That is not what you see in the NFL or college ranks. But I wouldn't mind it actually, and I think it would be it'd be intriguing seeing Chris Kacarek have a little more responsibility from the from the front four, possibly front seven, and trying to connect that range versus Daniel Bullock just coming in on his own and having to be just the only guy. It would allow Kyle to also not have to worry about the defense as much because you have two guys bouncing ideas off of each other rather than one uh, making the full decision. So that's what I had thought about. I don't think that happens. My internal candidate and who I think will be the next defensive coordinator is Daniel Bullocks. Do I think he will be good? I do think he will be good. Throwback. Um, I I know this is a question from you. Um, do you. Do I think he will be good? I do think the opportunity is there. The defense has a good defense already in place. He understands how to coach this system. Um, I feel like he's going to be a little bit more aggressive than Steve Wilkes. And I say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think he's going to let Kyle Shanahan know, you know what? I'm calling my shit. I've been here for how long now? Seven, eight years. I know what the hell I'm doing. Kind of thing. Like, I played in the league. Trust what I'm seeing. And let's go after it. And I think that's where it would have to be. It would have to be a combo of him and Kyle connecting the right way. Rohan, who's your who's the next defense coordinator for the 49ers? And will he be good? Yeah, I think um, if I were to go internal... Um, I, I think 
it would be Bullocks. I personally, how I view this search has gone is they've probably put out feelers to external candidates. That was probably the first way that they'd go. Put out feelers to external candidates probably came reviews probably came back as no's, which means it's time to go internal. Believe Bullocks over here running the show, man. Believe Bullocks though is the guy. I mean, he fits the timeline. A young aspiring coach who has seen promotions. He's been there throughout the entire Shanahan regime. Has a good relationship probably with the majority of the staff. And so I'm I'm expecting it to be Daniel Bullocks. Now, as for your co-defensive coordinator idea, I threw it out on Twitter because I wanted to talk about it. I don't think that you might necessarily go with the co-DC idea in terms of having two guys labeled as co-defensive or co-defensive coordinators, but I think that you might see extra input from Kosarek uh, or from Johnny Holland or something like somebody like that who won't be the defensive coordinator, but would might have more input because you are trying to find the best formula to marry the pass rush to the secondary. And I think that if you get good input from those guys who are directly involved, you know, with the pass rush, I mean, with the front seven, uh, alongside a guy like Bullocks or Sorensen with the secondary, I think you can, you know, create a little bit more of a dynamic like that. Now, what, what do I think uh, Bullocks will be good? If I'm ge- genuinely being honest, I have no idea. Um, the reason that I will say it's more likely he ends up good than not is the same reason that I uh, I endorsed the D'Amico Ryan's hire back in what was it 2021 after Robert Sala did good after Robert Sala did good you know I I put the benefit of my I put the benefit of the doubt for Kyle Shanahan I mean whoever he was going to pick hand pick especially if it was somebody from the organization was some guy who he trusted as a rising coach if it's Bullocks I think he trusts him as a rising coach you know it hasn't been the guys who you might more expect with some more experienced guys like Corey Unlin um who's now with Houston or it's it, you know candidates like that so I, I would give the benefit of the doubt suggestion be good probably grade the higher as it be I I think it's interesting throwback uh Find that, retweet it, or tweet it out so I can retweet that because I do remember that conversation and him bringing them up. That was actually a good conversation. Um, so definitely rings a bell. Like, right? If players are liking this guy already, they've already respect him, they know him, they talk about him highly. Maybe, I mean, just maybe the Niners should have hired him last year because you're now you're back to square one. If he would have already have called plays, probably would have been much better this year, right? Demico uh, Robert Sala was bad his first year, calling plays like not. That was, I shouldn't say bad. Didn't have the greatest defense, but then at times his second year, people wanted him fired. Um, in 2018 as well. So we have to be. If it's an internal candidate who's never called plays, I think we should, we need to be patient. As I, I know it's a the wrong word to say patient when you're in a Super Bowl caliber window, right? It's hard to say be patient. Um. Because this is a make-or-break hire for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, in my opinion. You're in a Super Bowl contending team. Um, I know... Oh, he's... How about the Niners? Uh, pissing on the Dallas logo. I love it. I love Uh-oh. it. Uh, now, I will say this, because I pulled a hell of a lot of quotes during... um, What do you call it? During Super Bowl week. Here's one that I pulled from Tashawn Gibson's interview. I don't think DB, Daniel Bullock, gets enough credit. He was probably the reason why I came here. He's probably one of the best coaches, if not the best defensive backs coach I've been around in my career, and I've been around for a minute. I'm so thankful that I've had him. 
what he's done for this room. He's just been doing some things for us on the back end that's just been huge for me, and I'm happy he's my coach. This was um, during the Super Bowl week, you know, during all of that, uh, all of that, uh, what do you call it, the media yeah. stuff. Charverius Ward had a quote on him too, um, called him a hard worker. He works like he has something to lose, works like a hardworking player. You can tell he studies the opposite team's film, like he knows the offense we're going against like the back of his hand. I was just impressed by how smart he is. He's got great teaching ability, great coaching ability. I think he's a very good coach for sure. Um, I've, I, I'm sure I have something else somewhere stacked around my notes for Daniel Bullocks. But yeah, he's got endorsements. He's got yeah, endorsements from certain players. I remember it being all praise. I don't. I didn't remember the exact quotes and stuff like that. Um, so for me, I definitely glad you pulled up those because when a players when players are giving you love and endorsing you, right, it's kind of hard to hire someone else, right? Like it's you have that in the back of your head, like okay, well, if my players are already respecting him, they like what he does, they like his enthusiasm, the way he coaches, the way he preps, they're gonna trust him. They're gonna play a little bit harder. They're gonna be in the right position. You're gonna see a little bit more from the guys right like a little more want to want to be that guy so for me i think it's i think it's daniel bullocks it doesn't make sense i thought it was bullocks last year i had heard um i had talked to a couple of players on the team last year um after ryan's had left and i had asked them what they had thought and they had gave me praise for daniel bullocks and they had essentially were saying he is a younger ryan's in the sense of his preparation they were saying that and and not even even though he's actually older than Ryan, what they meant by it was he prepares like crazy. He tells us when plays are happening before they're gonna happen, kind of thing. Um, and so you understand what that means from a coach. Now, how about the Niners says Uncle Sherm said he'd love to coach in a lesser role, right? Bullock's promoted a defensive coordinator, Sherm as defensive backs coach. I'm just gonna do a yes or no, Rohan. Would you be willing to bring in Richard Sherman as a defensive backs coach? And do you think Richard Sherman would want to do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do I think Richard Sherman would want to do it? I don't know, because I'm pretty sure he's getting paid a pretty penny to do whatever he's doing right now. I'm penny. pretty sure he's getting paid a pretty penny. And so it's up to him because he's a he 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 would I mean, we all know it when watching his podcast or when watching the way he breaks down things, he'd be a great coach. He'd be a great coach. Um and I mean, it'd be a role suited for him. It's just ultimately up to does Sherman actually want to do it? Does he want to make the jump? Because he's going to get paid a lot less money to become a DB's coach rather than being an analyst on ESPN or whatever uh, network it is. I believe he's on uh, a lot of them. So he would yeah. definitely be, a dev I know he's on first take or whatever. Um, that's probably paying good. Probably keeps his podcast if he's a DB coach. Like I think he would keep the podcast going. Very interesting. I would I wouldn't mind Sherman coming. The knowledge he has for the defense, right? For the back end. Um, he wasn't a wasn't a super freak athlete, so he understood IQ how to beat everything. Like he had to be pinpoint accurate in terms of what he saw. I would I wouldn't wouldn't mind it at all. Um that on that one. Now I do I did want to get to this one, but I do I'm gonna get to the comment before we get to them. Um so it said Jake Schultz says, let me throw this idea off. You guys, I like to see more senior defensive analysts for input on all aspects on defense. If it's Bullock, Sherm, Goldson, since he's on the staff, Goldson is on the staff. I think he probably would be promoted a yeah. defensive backs coach. Um, from what I've heard, he, the defensive coaching staff loved him, um, and that was from the coaching staff. So I don't necessarily care if it's defensive analysts or consultants or anything like that. Like I think if you're going to have defensive consultants, 
that means you don't trust people. That's just how I see it. If you have someone overseeing you or you have someone overseeing a certain department, you don't trust that department. I don't know how you feel about that, Rohan, but that's just how I feel. I don't necessarily, if you're a defense consultant and you're a senior, you're a veteran coach overshadowing a young guy, you don't trust that young guy fully. And I want the Niners to fully hire someone they 100% trust. For example, if it's Bullock says D coordinator, give him the keys to the defense. Let him do what he wants. Put full trust in him. Don't say, hey, we trust you, but we're going to have this guy overwatching you. We're going to have Big Brother watching you. And every move you make, if it's the wrong move, he's correcting it. I don't like that. Let him learn on the fly. Be a head coach and be like, hey, hey, this, this, this went this way. This went that way. Um, so I don't really, I don't really like the idea, but I understand it. Now, to me, I think it depends on who you bring in because overall, um, the one issue, the the main issue when you have too many voices in in the room is that you might have conflicting reports, and you know that's where you lead to some issues maybe internally when it com- comes about offense, defense, whatever side it might be on, and so that's kind of the main issue that I might have with something like that, but. I wouldn't mind it in the sense that I don't think that those voices would necessarily be there to, um, what do you call it? Be there to be an inside ear for Bullocks or whoever it might be, but more so help uh, take over some of the responsibilities. Um, You know, as you ease into the transition, give the keys to the defense. Yes, but I wouldn't mind it in the sense that, you know, you have them take over some of the roles or responsibilities, not as a defensive coordinator, but that Bullocks might already carry that you might want, you know, to, to not necessarily pawn off, but provide the opportunity to somewhere else. So that's where I think defensive analysts might come in handy. Also a guy where he takes a back seat, but if you want to hire a guy with not coordinator experience, but a guy who's been in situations, a more experienced guy uh, in the background to potentially help with some more decision-making or some more game planning. You know, it'd be one of those uh, analyst roles where I know, again, it was in the college realm, but uh, when one of when our defensive coordinator was moved on from last offseason, he essentially went to Illinois as a rival's uh, defensive coach, and the game plan there was he works four days a week helps install the game plan, isn't involved with play calling, isn't involved with what goes on on Sundays or Saturdays, but it might be one of those type of roles. You know, an analyst role where you're involved in taking some off the shoulders with the game planning realm, but then move forward. I I think that that would be all right with me, um, but obviously it depends on the relationship that you, you develop with the defensive coordinator and how all the voices kind of get mitigated in the room. You don't want too many voices saying different things. Otherwise, it leads to tension, obviously, inside between all three levels. And that's where you get leaks to the media talking about the Niners don't know how to coach and the Niners are going at each other in the media room. And when something goes wrong, it's, well, senior analysts. Like you, don't want, you don't want Angarella 2.0 on defense, pretty much. You're right. Um, or you have a Nick Sirianni kind of thing where he loses people and all everything drama unfolds, right? Because like, that's kind of what's happened there. He had a lot of voices who were analysts and watching over, and then things started spewing. More reports are coming out and more. Like, that's because coaches around him are like, you know what? We didn't agree with him. We were there, but guess what? We didn't agree with, we didn't agree with what he did. Um, I swear 49ers throwback is legitimately in our text message thread or something. Because he's talking about players coming back, draft stuff, 
Like, he kind of knows what we're talking about, which is kind of creeping me out. I ain't going to lie. But right now, 49ers throwback. We'll get to that question. But we're going to talk a little about the defensive schematics a little bit. Should the Niners keep the wide nine and the cover three principles? Should they go away from that, Rohan? Because a lot of times, the wide nine is, isn't a great it isn't great against the run. It's great against pass rush, getting after the quarterback. That's what it's known for, right? It gives you problems in the run run game, right? And and that's something where the Niners struggled this year. They could go a regular um, technique and go away from the nine and, and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on the nine, the wide nine, um, and cover three principles? Is it an issue for the 49ers? Should they go away from it more? Should they stick to it and keep it as their base? What is your your philosophy in terms of a defensive system that's run well? What would you do if you were the 49ers in, in this situation? Uh, uh-oh. We're all good now. Cover three, wide nine. Now, my thoughts on it. I like the I like the premise of it. I, I think that there are principles there that have shown why the 49ers work. I like the wide nine and the way that it helps the defensive line and the defensive uh, the defensive end specifically. It creates for more space. Um, and I, I understand there are different ways to potentially you know um, potentially try and find different things to uh, meddle with, such as chipping on the defensive ends and things like that with the way that they're aligned up closer to the tight ends. But to me, I think the concepts work, and it works especially when you find a good way to blitz. I think that when you can mix, mix in well-timed blitzes and also more exotic blitzes where you're not necessarily doing um, the same thing over and over again, that's where I think that this, this system works. Cover three depends on the way that the 49ers utilize it. I think cover three, the 49ers utilize it in two different ways. One, you can see them playing um, a, a little more softer. You see them playing some of these soft zones um, where, you know, they're they're in their realm, they're in their realm and they're they're trying to kind of move take away the space, take away those yards after the catch, get get defenders closer to receivers or um, ball carriers when they're going into these different zones. But I think that cover three would be more effective with a little more press man coverage that the 49ers utilize. We've seen it work when the 49ers utilize it more. But again, it also depends on how you utilize your defensive line. I think it depends on how you utilize your defensive line. Because if you're not being as aggressive with your blitzes, but also with the way that you rush four, then you know what you do in the second in the secondary becomes a void. So overall, here's what I think. I think the 49ers. I think the reason that they're looking to keep it is because it has worked in the past. And I think you still have the personnel to do so. I wouldn't be opposed with going uh, to a different system, but there can't be any wish-washy behavior where you're trying to kind of get the best of both worlds and then create some internal discourse um, where, you know, there's some differentiation between what Shanahan wants or what, what the defensive coordinator wants. You have to be set in going one way and looking to implement that one way. Otherwise, I don't think that it's going to work with the two differing levels of systems. So for me, I think the wide nine it has its goods and bads, right? It works if you have a guy like D Ford opposite of Nick Bosa, right? If you have that speed element opposite of Bosa, yeah. it works. Yeah. But if and you that's don't, where Drake Jackson was supposed to come in. We'll see what happens, but that's kind of you know the vision there. Go ahead though. But absolutely. So like when you when you have that other element opposite of both said it works but when you don't you're sustainable of giving up 4.5 yards per carry within the tackles 
um, because it's easier to run with all that spacing there and allows easier kickouts and stuff like that. And that's why you see guys, for example, Chase Young come over, getting kicked out easily, right? And that's ne- not necessarily his style. Um, now, watching stuff like that, for me, wide nine against a quarterback who know- is very decisive, knows what he wants to do, right? It's bad against because you're wider, takes you a little longer to get to the quarterback, balls out, boom, boom, boom. You're not going to get after the quarterback. And that's why people are like, there's no pressure getting home. Well, technically, it's pressure that's getting there, but the quarterback's getting the ball out within 2.7 seconds. You're not going to be getting after him. It's just, it's that's the wide nine for you. If you have a guys who could eat space, guys who are like Arik Armstead, fully healthy, DJ Jones, the wide nine isn't an issue. And I know someone threw, I know throwback throughout DJ Jones in the thing. When you have guys who could eat up space, not an issue. When you have guys like Javon Hargrave, who's not a good against the run, it becomes a bigger issue. When Arik Armstead isn't is getting paid all this money, but his injury luck is just not on his side right now, it's kind of an issue. Now, cover three kind of I know the Niners like to run the cover three. They run a lot of uh, quarters as well um, and stuff like that with this defense. But cover three being the principle of everything, I don't really like it. I like to be aggressive defensively. I like to be able to match up, go man, disguise things. Um, I don't like sitting six, seven yards off and playing cover three and playing catch and, and running, exactly. and turning and running. That's what I mean. That, yeah. That's just not me. I don't like doing that. I, I like to be up in your face and make it hard on you, especially when it's guys who can't create separation, right? Make it like, for example, look at, look at how the Kansas City Chiefs played the 49ers. Great weapons across the board. They said, you know what? My guy's better than your guy. We're going to beat you man-to-man after line of scrimmage, get our paws on you, and you're not going to do nothing. That's the kind of defense I like and the kind of defense I grew up in in terms of let's play man, let's get after the quarterback, let's dial up exotic blitzes. So for me, I'm out on the wide nine. I'm out on cover three being the main principles. I think you could do a lot much more in terms of disguising things, going cover one, cover two, disguising looks, cover three, going a lot more exotic. I think that's what the Niners need to do. It's it's kind of been a, a similar situation in the playoffs. When they get to the playoffs, they play good quarterbacks who could get the ball out quick. The wide nine isn't effective. You're in your cover three zone. They know what they're going to do. They know how to attack that. So for me, I think it's time the Niners change up a little bit and go away from the wide nine and, and cover three being their main coverage their main principles of the scheme um definitely something that i have thought about for some time um looking at the way defenses run uh, offenses run the ball in this defense in the playoffs teams are trying to attack us in the run game it's easier to run the ball against the wide nine and in between the tackles i think it's it's time the niners truly go away from the cover three and the wide nine if they're gonna hire someone that's gonna run principles of the Pete Carroll system, um, the cover three, which is the cover three is what he ran predominantly. I do. But also, here's here's what I want to ask you question-wise. Do you believe, you you talk about some of the premier defenses over the past decade, that Pete Carroll defense, you know, with the principles that they involved, the Vic Fangio defense. Do you believe teams are adapting more to those? And do you think that 
you know, there, there needs to be a semblance where you involve some of them, but you also try and find different ways to evolve. What's kind of your take on there, there are some of these traditionalistic defenses, wide nine being one of them over the past few years that the 49ers normalized. What do you think, if you're transitioning into something else, what do you think is kind of a part of the evolve, evolvement of defenses around the NFL? I think that you want to see the 49ers use. So for me, looking at the best defenses in the league, right? Going to the Ravens, Chiefs, um, who else? Not the Niners, right? When you look at Even all those Cleveland, defenses, yeah. Cleveland, when you look at all these defenses, the Niners issue has, in my opinion, has been you're running a defense that you don't have the personnel for, right? Like you don't have that speed rusher opposite Nick Bosa. So now your wide nine really truly is, you don't have that speed guy, right? You don't have that speed element off the edge. So now your wide nine truly isn't great. You don't got a great edge rusher on opposite of Nick Bosa to stop the run. So now you're sustainable to give up the run. You know, you don't have those long lengthy corners that built the cover three system, the, the big safeties that are going to take away the middle of the field, the eraser at the top of Earl Tom. You don't have that. Yet the Niners are running a system that doesn't fit their personnel. Now, I get Nick Bosa, and this is a great comment by Mitchell Ines, that Nick Bosa and the click run the team in terms of Nick Bosa likes to be in the wide nine because it gives him an opportunity to get after the quarterback because he's lined up wider now he has a lot more in his arsenal to attack an offensive tackle. You could do it on passing downs. You want to go wide nine? Guess what? We could go wide nine on third and seven when you, we know that the offense has to put third and six when they're going to pass the ball. We know we, we know we could go wide nine in this situation because they can't run it at us. I think you can still impl implement it, but it shouldn't be a consistent thing that you're doing um, against the 40 against other opposing teams. Now, things that I would like the 49ers to add, I would like that I would like them to go a lot more man. Um, you could go man, a lot more blitzing. Um, disguise, not, you don't have to necessarily blitz more. Just disguise looks, right? Like when you're watching the Niners, Rohan, you could kind of see what they're in, right? Like you could kind of, you even just flicking from the TV angle, I'm able to notice, you know what? The blitz is truly coming. Like when they actually have their, their linebackers in the A-gap, and they're standing over. You have Fred and Dre Greenlaw standing over. You know when they're dropping and when they're not. Like, it's kind of obvious. If I could see that, guarantee the offensive coordinator on the other side and the quarterbacks are like, all right, good disguise. And it's been like that for some years. So for me, I think disguising more looks, going a little bit more. I would personally go a little bit more cover one, um, cover two. I would like to see some quarters um, a little bit more into mixing things up, throwing it at teams. Um, I don't mind Tampa too. You have the linebacker to do it. Um, to go and doing more more of that. Um, but I'm not a defensive coordinator. I'm not uh, in the NFL or coaching in the NFL or anything like that. Just from what I see, what would you do or what principles would you add to the 49ers defense if you could? Yeah, I mean, um, I think if you're talking about a specific concept overall, the number one thing would be. You've got to figure out, ultimately figure out what do you want to do with this defense? Because if you're talking about, you know, playing cover three, but playing a few yards off the line of scrimmage, especially on, you know, downs, downs where you're expecting them to pass. I, I just don't think that that's what this defense is capable of. I mean, 
if you're putting Trevorius Ward in off-ball situations and expecting him to react in accordance to his zone rather than, you know, get up in the fields of a receiver, make life difficult, and then try and win by essentially outpacing the offense, I don't think that that's the best fit for this team. The goal of this 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 team is, like I said, I think it's to outpace the offense. You want to beat them at the line of scrimmage in order to get to the quarterback. But you also want to beat them at the line of scrimmage in accordance to your secondary so that it's tougher for them to get in and out of breaks so that, you know, a play takes longer to develop. And that way you can trust that your front four is getting there. That's why they invest so much money into their front four, because they believe that with average to above average secondary play, which the 49ers have, they can they're they're able to get the job done. And again, it, it does take the best of the best in order to beat them in the secondary. But I, I think that there needs to be more, uh, you know, more unison in what they do in terms of how they implement their man coverage system. Um, are they going to involve more press? Are they going to allow for more shadowing? Which, if you're, you know, if you have one cornerback shadowing a receiver the whole game, it just inherently involves more man coverage throughout, uh, you know, throughout us uh, throughout the situation. And sometimes we've seen this year, at least when it comes to DK Metcalf, those requests did not come from the defensive coordinator. It came from the head coach or the GM, even like the general manager had to step in and ask for this to happen for the 49ers to really start implementing it and seeing it work to fruition. And so to me, I think the the thing is, I'm not saying that don't don't simplify things. That's not what I mean. But I think there needs to be more unison in what you want to do in order to have a more effective strategy that can marry your pass rush to your coverage scheme. Are you trying to say John Lynch for DC? I mean, he played linebacker. First, 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 or sorry, first he played GM, safety. He played first safety. GM DC. I see. Yeah. First GM DC. I like it. I mean, Bill did um, it. Bill was a head coach, right? So why not do it for the defensive coordinator too? Hey, that, that's crazy. But it is true. It's crazy how Kyle Shanahan runs a lot of the defense people don't realize kyle dictates the defense right like hiring steve wilkes and telling him you know what you're running this does it make sense kyle sticking to the wide nine bringing the implementing the wide nine and the cover three instead of hiring a defense coordinator and letting them run what they normally would run right like normally coaches hire defensive coordinators and it's why you won't see any real defensive coordinators or Big name guys like Vrabel, Belichick. Well, obviously, I don't think Belichick even in general, but Vrabel. Um, you won't see Schumann come in because they're going to want to do what they want to do, what they are comfortable doing. Um, right yeah. here, this is a comment right here, right? Um, and then right after this, we're going to get to the next real quick on free agents that we have that you would bring back. I know we're not trying to stick around too long, but I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Make sure you guys are liking and subscribing. Rohan, if, if Lynch plays safety, Lynch should know we need an elite secondary. Do you agree or disagree with that? Oh, uh, you see, I, I don't know, actually, if I agree. Personally, if you look at the NFL, it's really tough to have an elite secondary. There's a reason that teams often move off of some of their top defensive backs um, uh, for, for free agency and look to fill those voids with cheaper contracts. To me, I think what you need is one elite level cornerback, one average to above average cornerback. Once you got those two, I think you're set. Safeties wise, I think safeties, it, it depends on the team. It depends on the scheme. I don't know if paying safeties is always the best way to go, um, which is why I don't expect the 49ers to pay a guy like Talano Hufunga. I, I do think that 
I do think the position is important. I think overall the secondary is important because especially at safety, you got to play with instinct. And in this, on this team, you got to play aggressive, but play disciplined while playing aggressive. And that's, that's, that's a hard task. You know, that's a really hard task to have, but I think secondary is important. I just don't know how much of the resources I'd invest into the secondary in this team. Everybody wants to try and fill as many holes as possible. Oh, let's pay the offensive line. Oh, let's pay the defensive line. Oh, let's pay the secondary. I don't think that you. it's just feasible for you to go out and pay, dish out significant money at every position. Um, I think the 49ers are in a, in a good spot where they've got two cornerbacks that they really trust. Safety room was, you know, they got they had depth for sure this year. I mean, it's very rare that you have a starting caliber guy on the bench at safety. The 49ers did with Jair Brown. That's your, you know, the, the Brown and Hufunga will be your two guys next year. I don't think you need an elite secondary. I, I don't. I mean, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs. They had one elite corner, one elite cover corner, and uh, uh, Legarius Sneed. Mm, oh, sorry, sorry. I'm much Trey McDuffie's up there, man. But sorry, sorry. I meant two. Um, what I meant is they've got two guys. But if you look at it, and this was kind of my main point that I also tweeted out earlier. If you look at it, look around the NFL. I mean, a lot of the top defenses have some of those guys, but you're also able to get away without having three top corners. As long as you've got two guys that you trust, you're going to be good. I agree. I don't think you need a top secondary. I think you just need guys in the right position flying around. I think you could have, for example, Denomino Lenore. People like to give him credit, but they also don't. They like to say he needs to be replaced. Put him back outside. He was really good outside. Opposite of Traverius Ward, get yourself a damn nickel. If that if Ambry Thomas is the issue, guess what? Get Ambry Thomas off the field. Like that's how I see it. Get it. Go get a, a true nickel who's going to play nickel. Replaceable through the draft. I think it's replaceable through the draft. I also think corner is the one position. If you look at it, you're going to be able to find free agents at a at a good cost, at a team friendly cost, because there's an abundance of corners, especially veteran corners. Abundance of veteran corners that teams aren't really that used used to. Remember that year, I think it was 21, um, where Casey Hayward got two years for 10 million after coming off like a near Pro Bowl caliber season. Mm-hmm. Had one good year, obviously. Uh, contract waned or he he waned as he got older, but you know you can get premium. Stefan Gilmore didn't get paid much and still produced, you know, at a high level. You can get guys um, in free agency, so I'm not too worried at corner. And I think Charverius Ward showed he could be a true corner one. So you just kind of need a complimentary piece opposite him of him. And I think Demo is that guy that could be complimentary towards him. Um, I just think you need to find a, a nickel corner. Um, and you can find that in free agency. They're usually cheaper. Now, our last segment of the day, um, because obviously the draft season's coming up. So we got to know what free agents we should bring back, obviously, because NFL Combine's coming up. We have everything kind of starting to lean towards, okay, what players should we bring back? Where should we look at in terms of our roster needs? So looking at it, what free agents should the 49ers bring back? If there are any, I know the 49ers free agents that they have really aren't any big name free agents. You don't have like guys where it's like, you must bring them back, but there may be a few of them where you're like, you know what? The Niners have to bring them back because of depth or he's a, probably a starter on another team. Um, so you should not let them walk. Um, so what are your thoughts on any guys um, who should we should bring back and whatnot? And then shout out to Rick Diaz. I'll read this comment right before you go, Rohan. What up, gentlemen? What is going on? Oh, I'm doing fine here in Chicago. I'm doing fine. Still thinking about the 49ers loss. Like, how can I forget? I'm recovering. 
I'm recovering. Go Niners. Well, we hope you're doing well, Rick. Appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, we are definitely probably in the same situation. I recovered already. I got over it. Got a question asked both of these. Do you think you can answer it, please? Yes, go ahead and drop it, and then we could try to get to it after this segment. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about free agents to bring back, overall, if you look at the picture, the 49ers have 18 unrestricted guys, and then two restricted guys. They've got, I believe it's Juwan Jennings and Ben Bart, who are the two restricted guys. Uh, Jennings, I, I believe, is going to come back. He's restricted. Uh, if the 49ers really, really want him back, to make sure nobody touches him. You put a second-round tender on him, pay him $4.6 million. If not, it seems like the more likely option is the right refusal tender uh, around $2.8 million. He's going to be back, in my opinion. Um, elsewhere, though, I think guys who you, you might make it a priority. I mean, the team the, the, the team loves to go after defensive line. With Armstead's injury history, I think that you might want to go out and try and bring back Javon Kinlaw. He's a guy who flourishes well in the system this past year after obviously struggling. Given his one-year resurgence, you might expect him and that being as a backup, you hopefully hope that his market isn't as deep because the one issue is defensive tackle. That's that's a market where players get paid. You know, backup level players will get paid four and a half, five million dollars. We'll see if the 49ers are able to afford him. I like Farrell. I think Farrell would be a nice uh, depth piece to bring back to compete in camp. Another guy on a one-year deal, I think that you can afford to bring him back. Um, up to the 49ers, Oren Burks, uh, their LB3. He's a free agent. If you believe he is going to be an integral piece to your special teams unit, you bring him back. 49ers did get draft two linebackers. I don't expect him to return, though. Um, if you're looking down the line, oh, oh, one guy I do think that should be Chase back Young. is uh, Chris Conley. Chris Conley. Chris Conley. I, I like okay, Chris Conley receiver. as a sixth receiver. I think that the 49ers have benefited from having that sixth receiver being a veteran, um, especially if they don't if they're if they're younger guys who they're trying to develop continue to underwhelm. I think Chris Conley would be a good guy. What about you? I think those are my main options. So I do agree. I think you got to bring back some of those guys. I think. Javon Kinlaw is one of the ones, but I do think he might have priced himself out of the Niners market, to be honest yeah. with you. Like he played really yeah. well. Other teams could offer him five million, and I don't think the Niners could can match that. I don't think and I get people I frustrated. Three is just a little tough, you know. Absolutely, I agree. And I I, I, I get a lot of fans like, you know what? Get rid of Kinlaw. He's been terrible since he's been here. I thought last year he played phenomenal, man. Like it's kind of hard to play like that. Um a lot of people are like, oh, well, he should have been playing like that. He was been injured. He's, I thought he was worth the first rounder. Um, his injuries killed him. Finally healthy, had a great season. Um, for me, I actually think I, I would bring back Chase Young, man. I don't know why, but I would bring back Chase Young. Three, so what would be your price I do know That's why. I, I should I, I, actually, I said that wrong. I do know why. I just don't know for how much. I said that completely wrong. So for me, I don't know my price range. Absolutely, I don't. But when you look at what Javon Kinlaw has done, right, since he came to the 49ers, I know he didn't live up to expectations for a lot of fans. But when you look at his win percentage, it was at 15.5 like um, for win win percentage, which was a top 30 in the NFL, 60-plus um, 60 60 uh, pressures, which was his career high, seven and a half sacks, um, career high. He's only going to get better under Chris Kosarek, opposite of Nick Bosa. Um, the talent is there. We saw that in the Super Bowl. Um, we saw it in some games. Now, the for me, it would be more so energy and effort from him. Can I get that from him? Get, knowing I'm going to pay you, can I get that effort? 
right? Like that's where the concern is for him. Um, so for me, I don't know the price range, but I think at 10 million, I would be willing to bring him back even 15 million. Um, I just don't know how likely that is like, because you're getting a true defensive end opposite of Nick Bosa. Do I trust a rookie coming in in a Super Bowl window year? Um, I don't think I do. Um, so I would definitely want to be bringing them back. Now, other guys I would want to bring back who I think the 49ers are who should. Um, Clean Farrell, Jawan Jennings, I think, is like you said, is a lock. Um, I personally would bring back Chris Conley, but let him compete with the rookie. Um, he could always go to the practice squad. That's stuff that I look at. Like, you know what? Practice squad kind of guy. Um, I'm not bringing back Ray Ray McLeod. I'm not bringing back John Feliciano. I don't like how he outed um, a teammate like that. To me, that just, I don't want those kind of guys in my locker room. That's just me building a team. Um, a guy I do bring back, Brandon Allen. I think um, the way he is a veteran okay. quarterback, um, he could help continue helping um, Brock Purdy. And if you do bring in a young rookie, you at least see uh, the 49ers have a veteran presence. He could be your third quarterback like he was this year, and it's not going to affect you. Uh, based off of what Schultz says, young Mar Young's market value is two years, $26 million. I would do it. Uh, I, I really would do it. If it's at that, those numbers, I would do it. Uh, I would not, personally. The reason being, I, I personally want to divest money elsewhere, particularly the offensive line. I shared this, I believe, in the last podcast that we had. I want to pay in the offensive line. And I'm not saying top tier money. I don't want to pay. Um, offensive line is one of the worst positions to pay in free agency. When you're talking about paying top of the market guys, you're always going to overpay. You're probably not going to get enough value back on that deal. And we've seen that time and time again, at every position you talk about center deals, the biggest center deal that we saw in recent free agency uh, was Corey Lindsley. Lindsley's been injured for a majority of that deal. Retiring, not a great deal for, for the Chargers. You look at right tackles. I mean, Jawan Taylor, Mike McGlinchey were the two biggest ones last offseason. Haven't panned out that well for their respective teams. I know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. You look at guard. I mean, the one the 49ers were most uh, most connected to was Lakin Tomlinson. Got paid three years, $40 million, has not has been underwhelming for the Jets. These deals don't necessarily work out. However, where I'm looking, number one, I want to pay a center in this class. I think that center is extremely important on this offensive line, given that they manage all the protections. I think Shanahan should go after the guy who he believes can really, um, really impact this offensive group. And I think that there are a lot of good centers and center is the one position where you don't necessarily pay a premium. You can get guys for five, $6 million a year that are going to make like a, a significant impact on this team. The Niners could have had that option last year. They struck out and they re-signed Brendel. Not the good, not the best, uh, not the best move given the options out there. Think that you can change that. But I also think that there are a lot of guard options that the 49ers could go out, pay under $10 million annually, and they could go out and, uh, you know, make a move there. I would personally divest in the offensive line for multiple reasons. One, I think that some veteran, uh, you know, some veteranship in this group would be important. It also helps you kind of just revitalize that unit a bit and in increases the opportunity for competition. And two, I think the 49ers really struggle when they don't go BPA in the draft. I think they, when they, when they set in, uh, have a position set in stone that they are really looking to target. I think that especially in the early rounds, they have chose, to, they have really struggled when you pay the offensive line or at least get two guys on mid tier contracts. You're not going into the draft with 
I need to draft a tackle or a guard or a center in the first round. You're going BPA more so because you're filling up some of those needs. I think that that will allow them to have a more successful draft in what is arguably the most imperative draft that they're going to have in the next few years. And the good thing is, is this draft class is actually BPA might actually be the right guard or right really tackle. Good. Like, yeah. So it's so for them, it's actually beneficial that this class is actually really what good at right guard or in the guard position tackle. Um, so for me, I definitely think it's the reason why I would bring back Chase Young is I think you go draft, and if you do get an uh a player along, along the offensive line. I don't think you're overpaying someone like that. I don't think you're going to be putting $13 million towards the offensive line. I just don't see Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch doing that. Now, I always thought the Javon Hargrave contract was terrible. I thought it was just one of the worst contracts in terms of the 49ers that the 49ers have signed in recent memory. Now, I said that from the beginning, and I'll keep saying it. I thought he wasn't the right player for the Niners. Why do you bring in a defensive tackle who's only a legitimately a good uh, pass rusher, but not a good run defender. So for me, I think you have to eventually get... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.